Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. I was just telling our guests this is our first time back in our physical pod here in the office since pre-COVID, which would be 2019, 20, whatever it is. We try not to think about it anymore. But <laughs> I've got Carter Malloy, founder and CEO of Acre Trader, has led the company to exponential growth this past year, has successfully raised over $60 million in Series B funding. How does that feel when I say that? It's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big number to me, too. And it's grown from 20 employees to so 120 employees across the company's two business divisions, which include Acre Trader and Acres, a comprehensive land analysis and mapping tool. Uh, Acre Trader has been featured in the New York Times, Bloomberg, Barron's, and named as the 13 financial fintechs to watch by Business Insider. Carter, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I just want to, okay, we got the formal part out of the way. It's a great bio. <laughs> almost ran out of breath sharing it. Uh, just, I want to learn about you first. Just, just tell me about who you are as a person. As a person, I, I, I'm a person that values family and I, I value learning. I think those are uh, the, the things I enjoy most in life. So yeah. that's what I tend to pursue my time doing is either supporting or, or spending time with my family and or uh, reading, listening, and trying to learn as much as I can. Uh, constantly realizing that I'm not as good of a father as I'd want to be and I'm uh, a lot dumber than I wish I were. <laughs> I, I feel like other people have to tell me that I'm a better father than I think I am. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Which is good. I think if we think we're the world's best dad all the time or the world's best husband or the world's best leader, we probably are missing something. Yeah, well said. So, I mean, let's just go right to that because you started there. So let me ask you about balance in life and, and that friction point of of building a business, of a scaling quickly scaling company there's a lot of demands there what do you how do you and i need i don't have this myself so i'm asking you what are some things that you do to find some kind of balance in your life so that you are able to be present and give your best to every side you have so it's it's hard right like we all many of us are addicted to our jobs and that's yeah. that's like my my personal addiction uh, yeah. is is i enjoy it i enjoy the people i work with i love getting in early i love staying late and so trying to find that that balance each day and for me personally what that means is uh, eating breakfast with my kids on most days yeah it's just uh, you know that that 7 a.m like hanging out with them is is really good time in the day and then likewise at night uh trying to get home before they go to bed, certainly, so we can spend an hour together and play. We don't uh, watch watch television, so we like to try to read books and hang out and be creative together. Are you able to unplug? Like, are you able to shut work off? Yeah, I have time? I have a rule, which is uh, I'm not allowed to look at my phone until they go to bed, and it is really hard. Right, that that is the thing. Like that, we all. I like it or not, we have to have them and we're addicted to them. Yeah. So so I have a rule at home to put it away, and then once they go to bed, then I'll get my laptop out and usually work uh, several more hours. Yeah, that's great. I, I was thinking of uh, one of my ahas was, uh, and I was actually preparing for a lecture about being present with your kids. <laughs> and I was out of town preparing for it, so that didn't help. I was in San Diego at a conference preparing for another conference, and I had remembered something that actually brought me to tears almost, and that was my son, when he a few years ago, had said, hey, Dad, will you play with me? And he set all these toys up on the ground, and I was like, I'll be right there. 
Oh, and, it, and it was one of those, you know, they're, they're all, he's always ready. And I, for some reason, I heard a ping on my phone, and I don't usually do this. I went and checked it, and I remembered in that moment while I was getting ready to talk about being present with your kids, I remembered I had never gone back and sat with him. It <laughs> broke my heart. And so to be able to shut that phone off and where it's not even a distraction, no work, no distractions, and have that proactive time. And I share often that we give our best. If I'm on, right now, I'm giving you my best. You're giving me your best. I give my clients the best. I give anyone I'm working with the best. And then you come home at the end of the day sometimes and you, you're not the best version of yourself because you've just given it all away. So how can we show up, right, and, and give that same level of intense, intentionality and intensity mm-hmm. to our families? I just think that's great that you're doing that. It's so important. I see a lot of younger business leaders miss that early on, which I get because we've got to build something. But if you can find that balance early on, it's really helpful. You've got to, got to be incredibly purposeful, right? You got to, yeah. For me, that means uh, I lack a lot of self-discipline. So instilling that via rules, right? And different, different people practice uh, self-control, self-discipline in different ways. But I have to like make myself physical rules to follow or yeah. else it's, it's out the window. That's great. And, and, and when you do studies on neuroscience and the psychology of our brains and distractions, it really, at the end of the day, takes courage. Like you've, you just, that's the end of it. It's like, oh, I have to proactively just make that decision to turn the phone off or to do whatever that is. It's courage. You're right. You have to do it. Um, let me, let me ask you about, are you, are you a serial entrepreneur? Is this something you stumbled into? Is it like, how did, what happened with Acre Trader? Because it's, it's a huge success. I feel like I see it in the news every time I get on LinkedIn or something else. So great job to the PR team and all the activity you're doing. But what, what is your business journey to get to where you are today? So it, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I've started some businesses in the past. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Okay. My, my uh, dad was a farmer and my mom was an entrepreneur and the, the breadwinner in the house, right? Because okay. uh, farming's up and down as an operator uh, yeah. many years. And uh, my dad always had an addiction to buying more land, right? And that's okay. probably where I, where I picked that bug up. But no, in, in undergrad, I, I was a science kid, and uh, but I knew I was always going to run my own business. I had several businesses out of school and was playing music uh, semi-professionally. And those businesses weren't great. I had an opportunity to go uh, work at, at Stevens, a, a company in Little Rock, to, yeah. uh, to go work and understand big businesses and, and study businesses as a profession. So I really loved that. I was there for seven years, then did five years on the West Coast at a uh, long, short equity hedge fund there. Wow. So same same idea. I was a researcher, right? So ultimately, I was very, very fortunate in my career. I was able to spend a dozen years to study other businesses. Wow. And in the background, I've been buying and selling land. I have the same uh, bad addiction that my dad does. And really, really uh, feel passionately about rural America and farmland and just, I don't know, being outside in general is an, a nice thing that people forget about. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity, I had friends that wanted to invest in farmland, likewise new uh, farmers wanted to grow their business. And so it was this uh, once in a lifetime opportunity to recognize, fr- frankly, with the uh, assistance or guidance of my dad, uh, to recognize an opportunity and to go actually chase after it and try to build something. It's exciting. And did you, was your vision at the, for it to be at the level that it is now, did you imagine that it was going to grow to the level that it has? In, in many ways, we are a greater success than I anticipated at, at that moment. And others were uh, not where we want to be huh. uh, relative to that moment. So, you know, you can't ever get complacent or feel that you're successful or uh, you'll immediately, uh, innovation will cease and you'll die. So huh. uh, we have to continuously build and reinvent ourselves and be honest with ourselves about what's working and where we can yeah. press harder. I, and I'm really curious about that. I, I am in air quotes, a serial entrepreneur and I've had few successes have built and sold a few companies, but I've got scars from my failures too. <clears throat> and a lot of times when I see the failures, when I really break it down, because man, how hard are we on ourselves? 
And we just keep rethinking, what should I have done differently? There was a while there I wasn't brutally honest enough about me being the problem. And I can point to some of the failures of, of companies completely, of me not willing to collaborate the right way, holding my cards close, you know, for intellectual property purposes and things like that, but still too close to collaborate. And, and I was the, the, the bottleneck. How do you avoid things like that? How do you bring the right people around you? Because what you're doing is really phenomenal. Most businesses don't see the level of success that you're seeing, even though you want to be even farther along in some areas. What do you do to get the right people around you, to hire the right people? Like, what's that mindset look like? Uh, this is probably going to be a long answer, so I'll try Please. to clip it. <laughs> but uh, f- first is that recognition. What, what you just did was describe all the things you learned from your failures. Note, yeah. you weren't talking about all things you learned from your successes. Right. Uh, we, we tend to learn far more. If we're self-aware, if we're introspective enough, we learn far more from when we fail. Yeah. Uh, and, and likewise, when we're wrong. Right? And, and uh, we as a company and as a culture really celebrate that. Uh, you know, the, only, the only mistake we don't celebrate is hiding a mistake. Other than that, sure. other than that, every mistake is an opportunity to learn. That's a good point. And, and inversely, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not trying hard enough. Yeah. So we, we really like this idea of fail, fail fast and talk about it openly and let's figure out what we can discern from that and, and how we can get better and, and grow individually. So uh, celebrate the mistakes is, is literally one of the you know, corporate kitschy things on the wall that we have. Uh, that, is, that is a really important one. Wow. Okay. And, and likewise, is, uh, and, and sort of feeds into that similar theme, is radical transparency always. Uh, so we, uh, this isn't just like fun words we have on the wall. We actually enforce this mechanically sure. through our company. We have weekly one-on-ones between every manager and every direct report. We have monthly start-stop continues between the manager and the direct report. Wow. What that means is, uh, let's pretend for a moment that you're my boss. Once a month, I sit down with you as my boss, and I tell you, hey, I want you to start doing this thing that you haven't been doing or doing well. I want you to stop doing this thing that, you've, that has been affecting our relationship or mm. our, our output. And then, then the nice thing, right? I want you to continue doing this. Oh. And that's an opportunity for the manager to learn. Then you as my boss turn around, you, you share feedback with me. It's a formal setting. We prepare for those meetings in advance. And they're done with, with the idea we want to help build one another up. Yeah. Right? And we want to, again, recognize where we're falling short recognize where we're wrong and understand those things. We can continue to grow personally and and professionally both. So first of all, I love that. I'm thinking of application and I'm thinking of any number of knuckleheaded business leaders (laughs) that I consult or work with. And I've been one of them uh, in the knucklehead side. And, and that sounds great. And they could hear you say that and go, awesome. I'm going to go implement that tomorrow, but they don't have the right culture. And I think one of the things you said when I that was screaming in my head was trust. How do you have that oxygen that that oxygen of trust in the room to have that? Can you go any deeper? Of I love the I love the the systems and processes for having that, but you can't just do that unless the team really trusts one another that you have each other's best interests at heart mm-hmm. to make the whole the whole global team better. Very very well said. Right. So f- first is this idea of like. Uh, if we want to build trust, then we have to expose vulnerable. Like, one of the core definitions of trust is uh, understanding each other's vulnerabilities, yeah. right? And so, uh, it, but perhaps zooming out further, when you're having those conversations with external parties as well, everyone wants to be honest, right? Sure. Like, like, well, most people want to be honest, right? right. Just about everybody you've ever met it has, has good intentions, whether you believe or disbelieve what they're saying regarding politics, if they're on the opposite end of the spectrum that you are, or if it's in the workplace, or if it's in a personal relationship, people tend to be pretty well-intentioned and they, they want to do right. They just may do it a different way than you. Sure. And so if we start with this idea of, hey, you know what? I want you and I 
to be honest with one another. And I mean honest. We, we're going to build a great relationship, and that starts right now with us telling each other the truth. Mm-hmm. Just about every reasonable person in the world will go, heck yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And the next step is, great, we're going to have a really uncomfortable conversation. Hmm. And then the, like, uh, the format of that start, stop, continue is a really great way to force uncomfortable conversations. And like, it's not fun, sure. right? For me to tell somebody that I care about that's a coworker, hey, or for, man, I've learned some things about myself in the last several years that are, that are genuinely painful. Right. But that's when you know that like, you got to pay attention to it. When it really stings, sure. it's like, or you become really automatically defensive. Right. It's like, oh man, that's the one you got to watch out for. It's a trigger. For. Why, do, why is it a trigger? Like, why am me? I triggering on that? Yeah. It's because this person cares for me and they're telling me something that it's not fun for them to do, but they're, they're doing it because they're trying to help me. So yeah, again, just understanding that like, hey, we want to be honest with another and we want to have some intentionality around that. We want to have actual procedure to make sure to tease those conversations out. That builds trust rapidly. And that's, it's, we almost have to do that because we're growing so quickly. Right. But this is just a great way for each of us to build bonds together and to build trust. It's because we expose our vulnerabilities to one another. And it's weird to say out loud. It's, it sounds uh, mushy and everything else, but it's great for relationships at work. It's great for my relationship at home with my kids and just being able to yeah. check in and uh, be honest with folks. And, and likewise, be willing to listen. Right. Like right. most of us are stubborn by nature. I am like, oh my God, stubborn. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm glad my wife isn't sitting next to me right now. Um, but it is incredibly important that we try to get past that and we spend time actively listening. I love that. Is uh, so, so let me, let's go into the company a little bit more. Give us, a, just go into the details more about what your company does, what makes it unique. I haven't seen anyone else doing it like you're doing. Just give us, let us understand your model more. So our business is a platform. We connect investors with farmland. So if you think about that, there's really two sides of that. There's the investors, the people, you know, people that we know. It's U.S.-based investors. Many of them are farmers themselves and people in rural America, people in cities, whatever, that want to want to invest in farmland, want to own some farmland. Historically, that's been very difficult, right? If you wanted, to, if you wanted to own farmland, you're the second generation off the farm, right. so you know you like farmland, but you don't know much about it. You had to go out to a county. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, like plop down a county you may not spend much time in. Plop down a million dollars, right? right? Oops, like that's we've, we just eliminated most everyone, right. and then you have to manage a farm. So we built the platform to make it easy for any investor to come in and invest. Uh, uh, any it being a credit investor, come in and invest ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand uh, dollars in a particular piece of farmland and hmm. build a portfolio that way. On the other side of our platform is then the land itself, and that's operated by uh, people that we call farmers. Literally, uh, the most respected profession in the United States. Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes it's number two, but it's on the other end of the, of the spectrum of some of the ones that we can all think right. of. That people don't like. We, as a country, rightfully respect the people that grow our food fuel and fiber. And we as a business, as AcreTrader, have this really, really cool ability to allow farmers to grow their business. All right. So if you think about most farmers, uh, they have real fixed costs. They have equipment, they have labor, the more input they buy, uh, seeds, fertilizer, uh, often the more discount they get. So we call those things uh, uh, economies of scale, pretty straightforward, right? right? If they grow their business, then often they can, they can perform better. So we work with farmers across the U.S. as well as in Australia who are looking to grow their own business. And the farmer is like, hey, look, I'm farming X acres. I'd like to grow that by 50 percent. 
but there's no real equity capital available to those farmers mm. unless they're really lucky and they have a super, super rich aunt or something, right? right. Uh, so we are a mechanism for those farmers to grow their business. So that's the piece of our business that we're perhaps the most proud of is that we can build with farmers, bring real investment dollars into rural America and help those folks grow their businesses there. It's really cool. Uh, tell me about influencers. I've seen like Blake Griffin, other influencers that are starting to invest. And in I think I saw from one of your press releases. I mean, this is becoming mainstream. And, and when I first saw the concept a few years ago, I was like, that is super interesting. Like, but it had no idea to go mainstream. Did you, did you vision the mainstream? I mean, I, understandably from an investment opportunity, but when you see influencers coming in now and investing just because they understand it's good for their portfolio, show, tell me about some of that growth. Yeah, I think we were, you know, it's, it's not really premonition. It's just like simple, straightforward economics. Like it was, right. as, I, as I looked at the asset class and I'd been personally investing, it's like, man, these are some pretty good financial outcomes. Meanwhile, I'm like grinding out, you know, 12, 15 hours a day in public markets, right. uh, trying to, to find some outperformance. And it's like, wow, here's this market, which is, by the way, trillions of dollars, right? There's, there's three and a half, if not $4 trillion of farmland just in the United States. Wow. It's, it's a staggering That's amount crazy. of this stuff out there. And so, oh, and interestingly, its financial performance is, is pretty fascinating and exceptional, right? In that it has uh, put up, call it low double digit annualized returns for like 30 years at this point. Uh, it's done so, like, like, you're not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get rich. That's exactly the point. This is not a get rich quick scheme, right? right? We're after slow and steady compounding sure. of wealth. Like, I still believe that Warren Buffett is a better investor than the folks in crypto, uh, right. though, though many of them have made plenty of money. Sure. Uh, call me old school, right? <laughs> but, but this idea of, uh, of an asset that can have real appreciation, right? You can make money both from the income from the farm, the farmer pays rent or has a revenue share with you, uh, as well as the appreciation, the, the increase in value in that land. Hmm. So, all right, here's this, here's this asset class with like some real financial appeal. Oh, by the way, it has low volatility, so it doesn't whip around a ton on a relative basis. Uh, so your risk reward on it is pretty attractive relative to the S&P or REITs or gold or whatever. Oh, and also it can serve as an inflation hedge. So yeah. I'm rattling off, I'm, I'm off on a little bit of a tangent about the asset itself. But as we looked at the market opportunity, it's like, it's a huge market. It's a fascinating asset. It just hasn't been made available. So we as a platform, or that's a big part of what we do, is help make it available to uh, regular everyday Americans uh, that want to be involved in, in agriculture. Yeah. How do you, what do you think? I mean, I know you can't pick one thing because it's been quite a journey, but what's been the biggest fuel or catalyst for the type of growth that you've had? Awareness at the end of the day, right? So yeah. the, the initial, initially the hardest thing to, to get past as a business was trust, right? Yeah, right? Folks are like, hey, this makes a ton of sense. I really like it. You guys seem great. And we're like, oh, cool. All right, you want to make your first investment? And like, yeah, r remind me again, how long have you been in business? And we're <laughs> right. like, nine months. You know? right. <laughs> uh, so it, it took some time to, to build that trust with folks and to build the educational materials to, to bring folks into the asset class. And, and, and likewise, it took time to build trust with farmers. Right? It still does. Right. We still have people who like, oh, this is uh, you know, a billionaire buying farmland. This is Bill Gates, or this is China coming in to buy farmland. It's like, no, these are, these are regular Americans right. that want to invest alongside farmers. And uh, I'm very, very proud of the farming partners that we have. Yeah. And that's perhaps our largest catalyst to growth today is that those farmers send their friends and the investors send their friends because uh, we, we, we truly work to make our marketplace a win-win for both sides. Hmm. I'll give you a chance to get a drink of water <laughs> myself as well. 
You can't tell I can be a little verbose sometimes. No, so. I, that's why I, I wanted to hear from you. <laughs> I, I, you. You need to be talking more than me. That's for sure. I want to listen. Can you tell me, I mean, what are you personally, what are you most excited about when you're looking to the future right now with this business? One is the the scalability of the business itself and the, and the fact that we can bring so much real value to rural America, uh, a, a place that uh, is often left behind by the economic growth taking place in the larger metropolitans. So I'm really excited about our ability to have a, an actual economic impact in places that we feel passionate about. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, from a uh, emotional standpoint, that's one. The other is uh, I'm excited about the the growth that each of us that work at the company are experiencing. I work with some amazing, amazing people, and we have a, mm. a ridiculously rigorous hiring program. And likewise, we let go of people quite a bit. But sure. as a result, the talent density is, is exceptional at our business. And so that's really exciting for me. And then within our business, uh, the, the platform itself, we've been, we've briefly touched on this Acres uh, uh, earlier. It's at acres.co, acres.co. It'll be at acres.com, I think, in a few weeks, which we're pretty pumped about. Yeah. But uh, basically, that's to bring transparency, right? So that's to bring information to this market so that folks can understand that own land, frankly, and that want to want to buy or sell land or just are farmers or they own. Help them understand the land that's out there, right? Who owns what? What are the property boundaries? What are the, so the soil types like underneath it? How well has it been growing things uh, in the years past? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So bringing more information to the market and, and more openness and transparency, we believe, uh, serves a, a better functioning market and one where ultimately uh, the participants within it have a more fair shake. Yeah, I love that. So you're here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which we're not a local show necessarily, but I'm curious why I think of like a Silicon Valley type company or Austin or name another market that's the hot spot. And Fayetteville's amazing. Northwest Arkansas is. Why here? I love it. <laughs> That's, That's, okay, cool. I'm here too. I mean, yeah, yeah, man. I my, you know came to school here uh, 20 something years ago. My wife and I met the first night of college. Like I just, I'm really nostalgic for this place. And so uh, we moved around for for a long time and always swore we'd get back here someday. So it, it was an odd thing. I was actually I was living in Silicon Valley when I started the business. And so it was probably at that time even more odd than today. But the idea of like, hey, I'm going to leave San Francisco to go to Arkansas to start a tech company. And my friends are like, you're what? Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, I love it here, and you know, we want to be close to our customers. And yeah. uh, it's it's a I think it's an incredible place to build a business. Yeah, I agreed. We, I met my wife in California, and we nice. we visited here because I'd grown up here. And she said. Uh, I said, we were leaving. I was like, I love it there. I don't know if I'll ever live there again. And you got to be careful what you say. <laughs> she, she fell in love with this spot. She's from New York, lived in D.C., lived in L.A., and then saw Northwest Arkansas and was like, I didn't even know a place like that existed. And so two months later, we were packing up and heading this direction. <laughs> That's 2006, we've been here ever since. So great. And we started our business in L.A. as well, just early on. So nice. um, I ask everybody this question, but and there's no wrong answer. And, but I'm just really curious. Uh, because for me, there's been a journey of measuring what success looks like. Just and, and see, it evolves each decade. I think as my kids grow and you know as you get older and all those things. But what what does success look like to you? Uh, like learning is probably the easiest one to say. But like maybe you said yeah. differently is to feel less stupid in a year than I do today, right? Yeah. And I, I think uh, you know the, this notion of if you look back on yourself a year ago and, and you don't think, wow, I was kind of dumb then. Uh, then you're probably not growing, or you're not you're not attempting to grow enough. And so I, I hope that I can maintain that mentality. This is like for for personal growth, right? Yeah, the the right. success factor. Uh, but but from that from that standpoint, that's really what I'm after is to continue to improve as a 
whether that is as, as a business person or a manager, uh, as a, a partner to my, my wife and, and a good husband, uh, most importantly as a, a father to my children, right? So just continuing to try, try to get better. Right? I think that's, that's yeah. the idea that most of us, whether we stated it or not, uh, hopefully are on that path. I think it's important, but I'll be honest with you. I can look back at a lot of people I know over the years, and I love them, and I appreciate their stability, but growth is not important to them. And there's, we, we're somewhat of an impasse sometimes at a certain point because I'm, I'm, I've been hungry for as long as I can remember to learn more. It doesn't mean there haven't been seasons of things being stale, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you know, and I don't think everybody is thinking that way. So I think, I think some listening are going, well, I probably need to be more curious, but I feel in the business side for me, well, I guess the same with, I mean, everyone keeps evolving. My wife is not the same person she was when I met her 18 years ago. <laughs> she's evolved mm-hmm. and, and fortunately or unfortunately, so have I. So she's learning a different, we're, we're evolving together, hopefully. But I, I think the evolution continues. If we don't have that mindset, then we can somewhat get left behind or, start to lose the ability to have new vision and passion for the future. And you see people that kind of get stuck. And I, I've seen great business leaders, business owners, who build this amazing thing for themselves and then they end up becoming a prisoner of the four walls that they built because they wanted to be free. And I found myself there before as well. And so I think that mindset's really important to have. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, like, look, I think just about everybody I've ever met wants growth. Right. Yeah. But you have to be like, it, it's the first step is to have that mindset. Like you said, to, to recognize that I want this thing. And then you, like I was mentioning earlier, especially for me, when, when and I lack patience, I lack self-discipline is then I have to be purposeful about this. So right. let's, let's take the example of, all right, I want to be a better dad. Like very few dads in the world would not say that. Sure. All right. What are you actually going to do about that this year? What specifically are you going to do to achieve that so that a year from now you can say, I was a better dad than I was? Is that reading parenting books? Is that listening to parenting podcasts? Uh, Is that simply just making sure you carve out more time to spend with your kids or you have a set of questions you ask your kids every day? It doesn't matter what framework you build for yourself. It just matters that you build one and and that you you actively attempt to get better rather than just saying, oh, I want to get better. Are, Are there any examples of resources that you go to? Like, are there things you consume regularly that help you become a better leader? Yes. Uh, for, for me, I have to fill knowledge gaps in, in management and leadership because yeah. this is uh, new to me. Being, being uh, at the helm of a fast-growth startup is uh, a learning experience every day. So what, what I, in particular, do is set reading goals for myself to read books. And, like, look, you're not going to learn how to run, the, run anything just by, solely by reading. Right. But what you can attempt to do is fill knowledge gaps. Yeah. And so uh, I try to do... Uh, specific to management books, I try to do one to two every month. And I'm doing that for several years at this point. So wow. I've read a lot of crappy, boring management <laughs> books, but I, I didn't take notes on those, distill those down and make sure that I'm uh, going and reviewing my notes as well to, to try to maintain some of that knowledge. So th- that's an example of one way to get better is to, to study. Uh, the other for me is being incredibly purposeful about listening to the people I work with. Yeah. Uh, so that, and that's both internal to employees, so spending lots and lots of time with them in one-on-one meetings, and then external with customers as well. Right? All of us, we want to go sell our business. We want to go sell what we do. We want to tell our friends what we do at work or brag on something. Uh, in, in our case, that is, hey, we have these really cool products. Let's get out there and push them to the market. Right. But it's fascinating if instead you just ask questions. Hey, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Farmer, what are your pain points and problems? Hey, uh, in, in Mr. Investor, Mrs. Investor, what are you trying to achieve? And you uh, 
can move things forward much quick, much more quickly yeah. uh, by listening than doing what I'm doing right now, which is running on and talking. Well, we, we have you here to talk, so you're, you're supposed to do that. So you can let others listen and learn from you. Just a few more questions. I'm curious about maybe not accountability, although you can share that if you want to, but uh, have there been mentors or has there been mentorship in your life? Uh, I, I mean, I can think of my life of several key people that have taken me and been and pulled me up where I maybe had no business being in their sphere, but they were so leadership focused and they saw my desire that they put, that, that they brought me up with them. And, and I, I feel like I always have a handful of really good mentors that are, and, and so now I'm watching too and going, okay, well, who, who do I need to be watching for too, relatively where I'm at that I can help? What does mentorship mean to you and has it had an impact on your life either as a mentor or with mentees? Uh, huge, right? Yeah. Absolutely huge. So I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, reading and studying, and then there's listening to employees. Uh, there is get also take every bit of free advice you can ever find, right? right. And so, um, I actually have a you know set lists of questions, and then I, I uh, manage questions in a large Google Doc for the various mentors that I work with. And so, I, I try to at any one time have a rotation of of call it uh, three or four outside mentors, okay. people who are uh, dramatically more experienced than I am in, in business. That doesn't take a whole lot, but uh, but folks sort of really accomplish a lot in life. Right. I've been surprised at, like, like look, you don't, go, you don't get what you don't ask for. I've asked some ridiculously positioned people to be mentors to me that, like, uh, any, in any rational world, they would say, like, <laughs> cute, no thanks. Right. Uh, and, and some have, to be clear. But I have some sure. incredible, incredible mentors because I've just went out and just asked people, like, hey, I... I would love to get your guidance and advice. And most people find that to be very complimentary. Like, oh, you want to listen to me? And so I, I do that uh, in a fairly formulaic way. And then importantly, began to realize a year, year and a half ago, uh, our COO actually was the one to suggest this to me. Of, hey, stop hogging the mentors, right? <laughs> like, like uh, and he has some really great ones too. And it's like, yeah. hey, we're, we're uh, soaking up all the airtime, but we need to make sure to rotate them among our other managers That's as great. well. So yeah. we, we've begun sort of a, a program to have our best mentors spend time throughout our company. That's that's awesome. I interviewed Tim Sanders one time, who was a, a mentee from Mark Cuban, uh, with uh, was a Yahoo back in the day. He was one of the, one of his guys, and um, he wrote "Love Is the Killer App," which is a great book, by the way. Yeah, he said the men, and he teaches on on mentorship a lot. He said that the mentor gets more than the mentee. So if the mentor is selecting the right mentee, they're going to get more value. So when he would sit with his his mentor once a month, they would. He, the, the mentor would take notes on what he had learned and was getting more value from that. I just think that's a, that's amazing. That's a special relationship when you think, okay, yeah, they should, they had no business saying yes to you, but the, that special mentor who really has a humility but a confidence and a confidence about them is looking for who they can they can pass the wisdom onto. And I'm always seeking out that to find that person uh, because you're you're you are hungry for the knowledge. Don't you love to share some with someone that, is, that has a pen out and goes, I just want to learn from you. Mistakes <laughs> totally. and all. Like, what, what did you do right? What did you mess up on? I love sharing that stuff. I've got, I've got treasure trove of, <laughs> of, of at least one side of it. So I, I could share those things. And so I, I think that's a special relationship. Uh, we just, uh, anything else that you want to share before we wrap up today? Anything else top of mind for you? No, this has been fantastic. We've we've talked about the business and the, something I'm really passionate about with with Acre Trader. Uh, for listeners, you can find that at acretrader.com. And likewise, if you're curious about maps, you can uh, go to acres.co to uh, to go map out your property or potential properties. So, uh, really lucky and fortunate to do what I do and to be here in Fayetteville. And appreciative of you having me on. 
Carter Malloy, thank you so much for being our guest. Look forward to seeing the next great things that you continue to do. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. 